Mike doing a little deep dive on the politics of yesterday, and uh, I feel it's appropriate because Joe Biden gave the address yesterday afternoon starting around 4 o'clock, and we need to talk about it. So after not saying anything for, what was it, six days, he spoke for 20 minutes and then didn't take any questions, turned around and left. And I think that's kind of wrong. I wish he would have talked to the media, taken some questions. But, you know, he did say some pretty significant things like this. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risk. We planned for every contingency. Did you plan for every contingency? And by the way, you said you you take credit for your decisions. Well, that seemed to have fallen by the wayside, too, when you said this. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. So you also inherited a deal that the president negotiated with the president of Mexico that people trying to stream into the country should remain in Mexico until we could actually process their request for uh, refugee status, whatever, to come into the country. The remain in Mexico deal. And you tore that up. You also inherited the Keystone XL pipeline deal. And you tore that up. You also inherited the fact that Donald Trump had exited the Paris Climate Accord and uh, you tore that up and reinstated our participation in the Paris Climate Accord. You also inherited the president's removal of the Iranian deal and you've renegotiated with Iran. So why was this one the one deal that you inherited? I'm using uh, quote air quotes with my fingers. Why is this the one deal that you couldn't touch, sir? I think that's a little convenient to say that this is something you inherited. It's not. And as we heard you say before that uh, you plan for every contingency, I really don't think you did. You weren't ready for this. And uh, it's, it's a mess. It's a terrible mess, especially when you consider what's happening to the people who are going to be left there. General Keene, uh, retired General Keene, was talking about what the Taliban are planning on doing yesterday on Fox. What, what has happened is uh, the Taliban has paid people uh, money and threatened them with their own survival to give them lists of people who are on our payroll have been working for us. So they have those lists in their hands. And when you hear... Of the stories of them going door to door looking for people, believe me, that's that's what this is all about. And they will kill those people, and and they will actually kill some members of their families because that has already happened in in other environs in in Afghanistan. That is their pattern of behavior. They seek revenge and retribution, and they want to set an example uh, for everyone. And they're already doing that, General. They're already doing it. We know what's going on there. We've heard the stories from the other provincial capitals where the Taliban has gone door to door and the Taliban is looking for people who worked with the Americans. 
and the Taliban is threatening the lives of the people, and the Taliban is taking the women and selling them into sex slavery. The Taliban is already doing the things they were doing when we showed up in 2001, 20 years ago. The Taliban are horrible people, and they are not ever going to listen to us saying, hey, you guys need to be better. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't understand that. He, he actually said something yesterday about us saying, well, we're going to speak out for the rights of uh, young women and girls. We'll continue to speak out for the basic rights of the Afghan people, of women and girls, just as we speak out all over the world. Yes, yeah, speaking out to these animals doesn't mean anything. You can speak out. But they're not going to listen to you. They're just going to say, yeah, 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 uh, go away. Uh, but Joe continued on that topic. I've been clear. The human rights must be the center of our foreign policy, not the periphery. But the way to do it is not through endless military deployments. No. How do you do it, though, Joe? No solutions were offered. No solutions at all were offered. Uh, Joe Biden did say something yesterday. I know a lot of you say I'm very tough on him. He did say something that I can agree with, though. He said this. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. Yes, that I agree with the president. Uh, we shouldn't have our soldiers fighting in a war against these people if the Afghan military will not fight for itself. But they're not fighting for themselves. They're absolutely not. They're, they've, uh, they've been called the best, and we spent $30 billion a year for God knows how many years and how many of our men and women were killed or mutilated serving there. But uh, the Afghan military, after all the money we spent, all the training we gave them, they just evaporated, dissolved. And yet the mainstream media and the, the Biden administration were calling this military really good. They're probably the best trained, the best equipped, and the best led of any forces we've developed yet inside of Afghanistan. They only continue to get better with time. No, they continue to disappear with time. This is a tragedy beyond anyone's understanding or explanation. And the president couldn't even really explain what we were going to do. He doesn't want us to be there, but he really doesn't have any clarity on what is supposed to happen. Listen. American troops are performing this mission. Our current military mission, we shorten time, limited scope, our mission in Afghanistan is taking many missteps, made many missteps over the past two decades. So what are we doing? Really, what are we doing there, sir? There was no clarity yesterday for me. No clarity. Uh, Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, I thought, added clarity when he gave his summary. He was on Fox News last night giving a summary of what he believes happened in Afghanistan with all of this mess. Laura, I've said this time and time again. We, we had a deterrence model. We knew that strength created peace, and we know that weakness begets war. You are seeing the sum, res the, you're, you're seeing the sum result of the weakness of the administration, whether it's our southern border, whether it's handing the Russians a pipeline completion uh, that can threaten Europe. All, all, all of the whole world watches. Chairman Kim, 
Xi Jinping, they are all watching what's happening today. And I hope this administration comes to understand that apologizing, placating, appeasing, being weak only presents risk to American security. Yes, exactly. And it's not just Afghanistan. It is, as former Secretary of State Pompeo said there, all over the world. But remember, Joe says he's going to take responsibility. I made a commitment that when I made a mistake, I'd tell you. And I've made mistakes. And when I think I got it right, I'll say it. But I'll take responsibility for what I do and say. That's why you blame Donald Trump, right? I think the most tragic thing yesterday happened in the uh, Pentagon, Pentagon briefing when the Afghan reporter said this. I'm very upset today because Afghan women didn't expect that overnight all the Taliban came. They took off my flag. This is my flag. And they put their flag. Everybody is uh, upset, especially women. And I forgot my question. She was so upset she forgot the question she wanted to ask at the press briefing. I understand. I understand. Mitch McConnell, I think, nailed it yesterday when he just said Joe Biden owns this. Uh, I know for a fact that the president's military leaders argued against this decision. I think the president felt strongly about this, obviously. He overruled his own military leaders to do it, and he owns it. Yes, he does, Senator McConnell. He does own it. But will he admit to it? A doubtful. And there are a lot of people who are saying, Mike, well, do you want to keep us there? No, I don't want to keep us there forever. I don't. But we certainly should have known this was going to be a disaster. And we certainly should have responded when we saw the Taliban approaching the capital of Kabul. We could have stopped them. We could have bombed the roads and prevented them from getting there. But we didn't. And now they're in the presidential palace. And now China's cozying up to them. And we look like losers while the women and children of Afghanistan are suffering. This is an epic failure, Mr. President, an epic failure. While we're on the subject of epic failures, let's talk about New York Governor Cuomo. He's resigning. He's out of office within a matter of days. But I want to know what the heck is going to happen to Cuomo after he leaves office. Is there a chance he could end up in jail? Will he lose his pension? Will he have to give back the five million dollars? What about the nursing homes? So let's get our friend Wendy Patrick in here. Wendy's an attorney, an author, a public speaker, a prosecutor. And I love to pick her brain on all these kinds of questions. Wendy Patrick, my friend, welcome back. Oh, hey, Mike. It's always a pleasure to join you. I'm glad you're here because uh, the whole thing with Governor Cuomo yesterday giving us 14 days and being allowed to stay. I know it takes a while to move out of the governor's mansion, but this seems weird to me. Is there any precedent for him saying I'm, I'm quitting and then sticking around 14 days? Well, you know, there's not a lot of precedent for the governor's fall from grace. As of just last year, remember, Mike, we were talking about him as being just one of the frontrunners, possibly tossing his name in the hat for president. I mean, you know, we, we really held him in such high esteem. He was always at those press conferences flanked by Dr. Fauci and other notables. But I'll tell you what's happened over the course of the last year, and I'm going to quote a proverb. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So that type of analysis has led many people to second guess 
the fame and the fortune that he enjoyed last year. And so when he talks about taking two weeks to move out of the governor's mansion, as a practical matter, Mike, he's got to find another place to live because he's been there for so long. Not only that, when you have had the power that he's had for so long, you also are going to need to have a transition period. Now, I know many people are saying, wait a minute, why two weeks? Why not two hours? And then he can stay in a hotel room and figure out the transition when Kathy Hochul's at the helm. But for whatever reason, because there isn't the kind of clear-cut precedent the last time we had this quick fall from grace, we're going to have to extend the benefit of the doubt that he needs to tie up some loose ends uh, find another place to live, train his successor, and two weeks is going to be a blink of an eye, Mike. You and I are going to be talking about that two weeks from now uh, as Kathy moves into her new digs. Yeah, I, I I wonder, though. You know, I'm sure he's spackling over the holes in the walls so he can get his governor's mansion <laughs> security deposit back. Uh, is he facing any real criminal challenges? I know there has been one criminal complaint filed against him, but based on what the AG found, do you think there will be any others or are there any others bubbling up? Well, the answer is yes. So there are several open criminal investigations within different jurisdictions in New York. Remember that although it's just a misdemeanor, he could be facing charges for forcible touching or sexual abuse in the third degree, I'm quoting New York law, both misdemeanors. Um, but he probably faces more civil difficulty and more civil exposure than anything else. Because civilly, he's already been sued by one of his accusers. And there are all these open cases against him, not just investigations, but investigations that look like they could potentially be headed for court. Remember, we, we really gloss over, not you and I, but just the, the country in general, because we've been distracted by the, the sexual harassment claims. There's that whole nursing home scandal that's still out there, and those numbers, and the cover-up. Um, there's the book deal. There are so many other irons in the fire that really the governor has to worry about that I, his, most of his liability probably lies civilly. But politically, we can't gloss over this uh, possibility that they're still looking into, could they impeach a governor who's just resigned? Remember, we, we did this analysis with President Trump. He's facing that analysis in his own state, because that would potentially, if it were successful, preclude him from running for office again. Yeah, that's a real interesting point. He may also still have aspirations for the presidency, but I think this would be a big problem, a big hill to climb. Wendy, uh, I just thought about this. If he's really worried about a place to live and if justice would act swiftly, we could have a place for him with security and meals every single day. And it's not yeah. far from Albany. I'm kidding, of course. It's also... It's also not possible for a misdemeanor, because that question, Mike, people have been asking me, well, you know, could he face jail time? Unfortunately, the uh, as awful as it was, the groping charges could be prosecuted, but they would be likely prosecuted as misdemeanors unless they could be tacked on with something more serious. So, no, he probably won't be resting courtesy of the state. Okay. I I've got about a minute left here, Wendy Patrick. I have to ask you. Is the governor protected by qualified immunity? In other words, if his actions in office were hit with serious fines or penalties, financial penalties from the civil suits, would he be protected and the taxpayers end up paying his fines? No, I wish that question was yes or no, but it just depends on too many different things. First and foremost, you're right in that that's one of the things that always comes up in this type of investigation is, 
where did the misconduct happen? Was it on the government's dime? Was it on, on government property? Was it in the mansion? We know some of them. The, some of these instances happened there. So his lawyers are going to be paid the big bucks to go through each of those potential 11, 11 victims and see if maybe there's some immunity claims that might lie. Great question, though. See, though, it, it always turns out the lawyers win. That's how this always ends yeah. that way. The well, lawyers. That's why I went to law school. That's why I went to law school, Mike. <laughs> Very wise, Wendy Patrick. You can find Wendy at wendypatrickphd.com and usually wherever I am on the radio. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And there she goes. Uh, just really interesting. So the twists and turns that are happening around the Cuomo situation. And the lieutenant governor and her rise to power really bothers me because I think she might be a lot worse than Governor Cuomo. 